ends well boxing. You're welcome on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to find a link for all the previous episodes on any platform or if you'd just like to keep an eye on our social media, you'll find all of that and more in today's show notes. Ah yes, you are indeed welcome on in. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be back in your ears for the first of what's going to be a multitude of episodes over the coming days as we build up to a colossal fight in Australia that's kind of flying under the radar at the moment. Dennis Hogan, Tim Zhu, Newcastle, Wednesday the 31st of March. Let's get at it. So much to say, so many angles to look at. So let me kick off by, I suppose, catching up as much as we can. Uh, it's been a little bit of a break, almost two weeks. Had serious internet issues, would you believe, in this day and age here in Kildare. Just not that, not even that far outside of the, of, of the capital. Hard to believe, really. But yeah, issues ongoing with Vodafone. Still not resolved. Still not resolved, but only got to the bottom of some of them last night. And it's it's a bit strange, to be honest with you. But um, also coinciding with it, if I'm being honest, wasn't doing too well. Just wasn't, I guess, uh, pushing stuff away that I thought I was dealing with, putting stuff to the back of my mind. And um, yeah, as they tend to do, they, they catch up, they come back out and remind you, look, you're not going away. You're not going to be able to ignore us for too much longer. It's going to get better. And it did. Caught the better of me. And I just needed to deal with stuff. Needed to get my head together. Needed to just uh, relax a little bit, chill out, unwind, and stop mithering, as my granny used to say. These are, are, as we all know, tough, unprecedented times and, and I like to pride myself on dealing with things when I need to deal with them and don't always know how to do it but I certainly try to find a way and, and I guess I guess there was a couple of things just slipped below the radar it got the better of me <laughs> and it just ankle tapped me as I thought I was getting away and it was nothing serious, nothing massively wrong per se just I couldn't shake this doom and gloom and I couldn't shake the dread couldn't create anything. I could not write. I sat in front of a page for a long time and just couldn't get thoughts on page and couldn't get anything together. And that in itself, I suppose, tends to lead to a, a, a not feeling too clever, not feeling too well. But got it all together, got it sorted, got it put to the and and we're on the other side of it now. So as I said, it's a warning and it's a, it's just a little reminder to me and to everybody. We've got to deal with these things as they come along. We got to try and put our th- stuff together. And if I can help here in any way, shape or form, absolutely, absolutely, name it. Give us a shout and I'd be happy to. Special birthday shout out this week to a young lady down in Australia. Uh, her mum and dad are great listeners and great pals of the show. Dobbo and Joey, looking forward to this to this big fight, to say the least, coming up. But uh, little Willow had a birthday at the weekend. I got a lovely little message from her, a little voice message to say thanks for And uh, special little lady, she's a little... Um, She's a little throwback to to, to a a little hippie chick, shall we say, and I, and I mean that in in the best possible way. But uh, she's a beautiful girl, beautiful parents, and I hope you had a beautiful birthday and a very special happy birthday to you. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's the seven. I hope mom and dad spoiled you rotten, and if they didn't, Willow, you let us know. You let us know, and we'll make sure we put the pressure on from this side. My plan here is just to catch up, get the housekeeping done, find the re- just look at all the results, stuff that's been going on, look at the cards that are coming. And then lead nicely into, as I said, a preview series of episodes. Um, it's hard to believe 
Dennis Hogan and Tim Zhu is flying just below the radar here at the moment. Not too sure why that is. Is it just a case of out of sight, out of mind? Will it catch fire over the weekend? Whatever the case may be, we're going to try and let's... We're going we're gonna to try put a match to it here and get that blaze going because I've got some tremendous guests over the next couple of days looking at the angles, looking at the possibilities, looking at how it might and will and could and would and should play out. We're going to look at it from the Australian side with some sparring partners, with some uh, training partners, with some trainers. We're going to look at it with some opponents. We're going to look at it at all the angles we can and with some fans and some listeners in Australia. We're going to top that off with some home-based expertise and we're going to put our own little flavour on it as well. And we'll hear from the man himself. Spoke to him this morning. Man, is Dennis Hogan ever ready for this fight. Absolutely jumping out of his skin. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. Previous guest, Jordan Reynolds, made his long-awaited debut. And what a smash hit that was. And two more guests that were on with us not so long ago. Making significant career step-ups. Nace welterweight sensation Gary Cully was first up against the dangerous, wounded and keen to impress Kazakh Viktor Katochikov. <laughs> After a lot of practice, got the pronunciation right. Anywho, dangerous, keen to impress, wanted to get back in the W column. His style, we didn't get to see an awful lot of. He generally likes to fight from the middle of the ring, dictate, centre... Excellent lateral movements, controls everything from the jab, builds off the dot, controls distance. Friday night, Gary Cully was at his devastating, scintillating, fascinating best. He was loose, he was relaxed, and he was focused, mixed with an ease that would almost make you uneasy. Everything just comes so easy to this guy. Very little easing in, very little taking time. He timed Katochikov clinically dispatched him even in replays it looked like there wasn't much on the shot but when you see Katachikov trying to get off that canvas for once twice three times and stumbling and falling incredible absolutely incredible that this fight which was supposed to be a real threat and was a real threat for Gary Cully to do that after there's 13 fights incredible incredible and wasn't going to stop there next up an old mate of ours that was here just a few months ago, Lewis Crocker. This was to be a step up with a German who has been not just tormenting him or trying, he was tormenting Dylan Moore and he's talking and yapping and yakking and slabbering to anybody that would listen. Dennis Ilbe brought all the wily guile and experience of a career less ordinary. But having been treated to the previous early night with Gary Cully, maybe... And when Lewis appeared to start where he left off against Louis Green, it was the same, we were thinking. Maybe. Not to be. Not to be. The German straightened his legs, had him on the ropes, had him in real, real trouble for a couple of those early rounds. I'm in real trouble. At times you could see him holding, gathering up, closing up. Got back just at the end of the third round to the corner. Got the instructions, cleared the head, and then boxed behind the jab for the next couple of rounds just to steady it, settle it. But he was always dangerous. Always dangerous was Ilbe. He did what he said he was going to do. He came to fight. And perhaps in the past, we would have seen a Crocker keen to impress, keen to drive forward and show everybody this famous power. No. We didn't We didn't need to worry. We saw the new version, the rounded version, the maturing version 
of what I believe is going to be a fantastic fighter. He's already improving with every fight, you can see it. He kept Ilbe where he needed to be, yeah, yeah, he had moments of difficulty, absolutely. As you would expect from a fella of that ilk. But Crocker has shown in his last few fights that he was a lot more than power. He's got, he's elusive, he's got his good feet under him, he's clever, he's got ring IQ and he has power which lasts to the end of the fight. For me, this was Lewis Crocker's Kiko Martinez fight. What do I mean by that? It was a fight that was in the melting pot. Once or twice. If he had have, if it hadn't have worked out for him, if he hadn't have been able to find the answers, wouldn't have been the end of the world. It would have been a big stumbling block and it would have been back to the drawing board. But we needn't have worried. He did what the other little man did from Belfast all those years ago against Kiko Martinez. And he got the fight, and he got the job done. And that's the feeling you get with Lewis Crocker every time you see him. You get the feeling. He's gonna fight, he know, he has it, he just knows how to win a fight. And with Dee in his corner and his dad in his corner and Tommy McCormick in the corner and they registered a fantastic win in what will be a fight that stands to him right to the end of his career. And I wonder, I wonder in a few years time will we all be talking about the night he beat Dennis Ilbe as his coming out fight. And as I said at the top here, I'm just going to skip through some of the more prominent fights over the last 10 days to two weeks or so, just to do a brief catch up before we go headlong into the preview of Hogan Zoo. The other, another big one over the last couple of weeks, of course, was last Friday night in a Wakefield Studios. Again, it was Paul Highland Jr. against Maxi Hughes for the British title. Had been rescheduled a couple of times and then change of opponent due to Liam Walsh, of course, contracting COVID. It was Maxi Hughes, the man of the year last year, the incredible runner form towards the, what some would say the back end of his career, who was in the opposing corner for Hilo on Friday night. And it was never, ever going to be easy, ever. And that's exactly the way it, it turned out. It was a great fight when it, while it lasted. Uh, there was lots of early emphasis in um, putting water in the basement. As Teddy Atlas likes to say, lots and lots of hard, heavy, hurting body shots going in the early doors, right from the off. And it told. It told eventually. You could see them both slowing down and it was a case of wondering that state. But it did look, if I'm being honest, I suppose Maxi did seem to have the little bit of extra strength. He seemed to be able to withstand a little bit better. But not to say that Hilo didn't have his own spells of... of um success as well throughout the fight the ending came in the 10th and there was quite a lot of bitching and quite a lot of opinions as we call them online afterwards about it but when I look at it and I look at it again and I looked at it a third time it was uh, the referee was was clear enough to the fighters he was clear enough the the corners maybe I'm not so sure one corner was a little bit more vocal than the other but the bottom line is the instruction when you go to touch gloves at the very start of every fight protect yourself at all times and whatever uh, throughout the fight the, the, the punishment was dished out and it was tough it was grueling at times and it was it was hard hitting and at one, whatever point in, in that 10th round Hilo took a huge shot and uh, actually went uh, looked like he was going to go down looked like he was going to start and then he just turned whatever way in that momentary split second where he turned his back walked back to the neutral corner and the ref was kind of betwixt in between but in all all happened in the space of a couple of seconds he, he issued the instruction to box on Maxi was boxed on landed under a shot or two but it was over it was over I think to be honest the minute Hilo turned his back he was he was just not recovering he couldn't get that second wind and no shame no disgrace no nothing lost in defeat um, if the L will be the learn and Hilo will come again nothing sure it was um, Maxi Hughes who was capped an absolutely phenomenal 12 months for him he was on the cusp of retirement 12 months ago when he lost that last fight I think it was to Sam Bone came back 
and he's put together a string of wins now that would be the envy of any, any man in the division, of course, which started with a win over our very own John O'Carroll. So shout out to Maxi, shout out to Sean, shout out to all the team there. It's been a rough few weeks and months for, for Team Warrington and for, for the Leeds lads, but they've bounced back with aplomb. And it was a phenomenal win. It was fitting as well. I, I don't want to go against any of our own. I never will go against any of our own. And my heart and hopes were with Hilo on the night. But if I'm being brutally honest, if you were to pick someone, Maxi Hughes for me was the fighter of the year last year. He was the story of the year last year. And I said this to Sean early on, just before Christmas, before he, he scooped the MTK award. So well done to Maxi. Well done to all in concern there. And watch that space because anything could happen. And it probably will too. Looking elsewhere around the world, and we'll have a quick scan around. Irish bomber Joe Smith, fresh from his nuptials, is now ready and prepared and back in the gym for his April 10th rescheduled world title showdown with Maxim Vlasov. It had, it was due for a few weeks ago. He got there, he weighed in, he was ready to go the next day, and of course fell out of bed to fight of, due to Vlasov contracting COVID. It goes ahead in the Oscar Casino, I believe, in Oklahoma. What a fight. Let's get behind Joe Smith on that one. He's one. He's fast becoming my favourite fighter, as I keep saying here. The, the assassin, James Tennyson's next opponent, announced last week. And what an opponent. What a fight. What a matchup. And his, his growth and his learning continues as he steps in against none other than the former three-weight world champion, Ricky Burns. What, what a fight. Um, what a fight. And there'll be, there'll be no quarter asked or given in that one. It'll be... It'll be Helmet, motorbike helmets at the ready to watch that one. There be, there won't be a step back taken. Hopefully, I believe Tenny will continue on. I think Ricky Burns is on that other slope, but if he's not 100% and he's not right, Tenny's gonna find himself in some seriously boiling hot water. Two big announcements came from John John Nevin over the last week, one after the other, within a couple of days to kickstart his career, I believe. Genuinely think if this doesn't do it, nothing will. He's been gonna be managed going forward by Billy Joe Saunders, and he will box his next fight coming in the next couple of weeks against a Sean Cooper, English boxer, 10 for ten and 2 record. It'll be a six-rounder to just kickstart that career again, get him back in between the ropes and get him moving because, listen, we all know what John Joe's John talent is. He knows what it is. The boxing world knows what it is. It's now it's time. It's time now to get it out of him. There's not that much mileage on the clock. Let's go. You're probably aware that Rachel Ball was down to defend her title that she won a few months ago in fight camp. When she beat Shannon Courtney. She was slated to fight Ebony Bridges. In the upcoming series of matchroom cards. Can't just pick the date off the top of my head here now. But sadly for her she contracted COVID. And heartbreaking video she made last week. Where she more or less apologised to the fans. Which let's get it straight. She doesn't know anybody in apology. Rachel Ball comes to fight all the time every time. And it was uh, sad to see her. That she really is struggling to shake off the effects of it. And she looks it. And she, she spoke from the heart. And somehow, somehow Edward of Hearn has managed to make a title fight between Shannon Courtney and Ebony Bridges. Not 100% sure how that works or how that's going to work fair out because I think they're rated 8th and 10th respectively in the rankings. But uh, yeah, that's where we're at. He's Such is the desperation to get a belt around Courtney's waist. Um, not so sure. Not so sure. Haven't been sure for a long time. But watch and see. Time will tell. Another significant win for Jessica McCatskill last weekend. Two, I think it's almost two weeks ago now. Go over Cecilia Bracus, and that one broke my heart. I'm, I'm a big Cecilia Bracus fan, and not just for the boxing. I can say I've no qualms in admitting she's an absolutely stunning, beautifully beautiful lady. The way she carries herself, the way she conducts her business, the way she fights, the way everything about her. She's just a classic, class act. 
and it wasn't to be for her. Um, competitive, it was close at times, but I think if we're being honest, McCatskill is just too, she's got just too much for her right now. And what happens next for the First Lady, who knows, but she nobody can ever take her legacy, nobody can ever question or doubt it. It is what it is and it's there for everyone to see. And pertaining to Irish fighters, the weekend gone was incredible. Something like 16 Irish boxers were between the ropes at different times across countries like Luxembourg, Spain, Puerto Rico. It was it was really all guns, all all hands on deck. With respect, they are keep busy fights. They're important to keep the guys from going stagnant, from picking up the ring rust, and from from just from lying around putting on weight and not getting not getting work. Joe Ward was the first one in. He avenged his loss on Thursday night against Mario Delgado. Uh, that was the one, of course, where he horrendously broke his leg or dislocated his knee or whatever the injury was. And uh, that goes down, believe it or not, as a loss. 30 seconds, I think, into that fight. But he got it back. He got it right. He's corrected that one now and he moves forward. Caitlin Phelan got uh, back to business in what I believe was her best performance to date. She looked it, sounded it, and now... It's time now for them to step her on to the next level, build on that momentum, use it to catapult herself right up there amongst the pigeon, up amongst the top. I was going to say amongst the pigeons, right up there amongst the, the top operators in her division. And uh, well done to her, and well done to the guys for getting those fights over the line. Big Kevin Cronin, and Owen O'Neill, and Jamie Morrissey all stepped up with wins over the weekend. And Dom Donegan just about losing out. I believe, I believe there was a bit of controversy about it, but um, look, he'll come back again. He's a he's a seasoned campaigner. He'll get it right, and uh, maybe a little bit less talking, I suppose, going forward. A little bit less focusing on calling people out after the fight, instead of just focusing on the one in hand. And I think there's no better man, no man better placed to get that one back. I think that's that was all the Boxing Ireland promotions. Then, of course, we had the Celtic Warriors were on the road, and they look an imposing outfit when those guys are in moving in. in they're like a, a pack of hunters as they move through the airport with with, uh, with in stealth. On early, as they headed out to their fights last week. Craig O'Brien, Ray Moylet, Niall O'Connor and Niall Kennedy all picking up wins which restarts Niall. I know it was important to Niall to get a, a big one under his belt and get it back because he was he was disappointed and he was upset after the last one. He felt he let himself down. So chatting to Niall uh, last night in text and I'll be chatting to him tomorrow on the phone uh, for the previews I'll be doing and I'm delighted for him. There's, there's, I'd say you'll go a long way before you'll find someone as genuine and nice as big Niall Kennedy so well done to all there a little bit of bad luck for Reese Morn picked up a loss on his way on his in his one but look again he's young he's keen he's talented he's hungry and he's in the perfect place to learn from a bunch of seasoned pros take it use it to his advantage and get back again and big shout out to Reese. he's a great fella really really great time for Reese, and, and I've spoken to him a few times he's he's got good people around him so New York-based Galway fighter Harley Burke picked up his fifth win in a row. A KO again, 45 seconds into the fight. A brilliant win for him in South Carolina. All in all, it was a good weekend. As I said, it's important to recognise the fights for what they are. They're not fighting um, massive ranking fights. They're not fighting massive contenders or anything of that sort. It's just vitally important at this stage that fighters get busy, get out, get between the ropes, shake off the ring rust and keep themselves ticking over. Because... There's nothing will that will will destroy a career quicker than inactivity, and we've seen that over the last few weeks. So well done again to all, and looking forward to the next ones coming up this weekend. On Friday night, Copper Box in London, Eddie Donovan and Jason Hartley make their debut on the Frank Warren card. Sunday, it's the O'Rourke's Jim Globetrotters yet again. Tiernan Bradley, Tony Brown, 
and John Cooney are all on the road in Belgium and no doubt they'll pick up the results they'll pick up the wins Tony's in he's matched interestingly against a former world title contender former Golovkin opponent a Tony Brown is a supreme talent a fantastic talent and somebody was slabbering a little bit lately about comparisons with him and Joe Ward and fights and all. look there's no need for those comparisons none whatsoever those those paths don't need to cross unless there's a significant bag of marbles on the table there's no need for them there's a plenty of opponents and there's plenty of routes for each of them to go on and I believe Joe Ward will be on the green belt route and I believe Tony could be on the WBO also now the big one this weekend is of course the rumble on the rock it's Dillian White Alexander Povetkin rematch in Gibraltar it's of course the rematch from fight camp where Dillian got flatlined controlled the fight from start to finish until he didn't and uh, got caught with an absolute textbook uppercut which switched the lives out and from that day till this Dillian has been in camp he's been preparing he's been focusing he's made some changes to his backroom team which are very interesting very interesting and to bring in a caliber a trainer of the caliber of Harold the Shadow Knight who has had a standard career of his own went all the way to a world title fight I think it was over 20 20 featherweight title fights I think he was ultimately unsuccessful had to retire became a coach and famously of course was part of Lennox Lewis he was by Lennox Lewis side with Emmanuel Stewart all the way through the highs and lows of that phenomenal career and now he brings his expertise to Team White and I believe it will be significant. I believe it will be noticeable. I think the trick to elite performance is maximum every time, all the time. So to go in, eradicate the little mistakes, eradicate leaving your chin up in the air, eradicate coming out slowly at a straight line. All those simple little things, they sound easy. When you're doing all that and trying to avoid an Olympic champion who has his own set of skills at the same time, it's it's very easy to say when you're sat in your arse criticising and listening to some um, some obscure commentary that may agree with you sometimes and maybe just as obscure, you know. But it's it's going to be a big fight. It's a huge one in terms of career progression for Dillian. It's probably one way or the other. It's not a big deal for Povetkin. If he wins, he's, he's already got a standard career. He's probably arguably going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, at this stage of his career, he's suffered, I believe, I believe the COVID that he contracted hit him badly. What, how much of him we're going to see, who knows. But he'll be there and the power will be there. And it'll be a big test for Dillian White. It'll be a gut check, which we know he has. They talk about the flashbacks. They talk about the demons and everything else. And Dillian White, I think, is the demon. I think he brings it all the time, every time. And I think he could have been clever. He could have tried to be clever. He could have boxed smart. He could have boxed safely. He could have done all that. He could Maybe you've not boxed Povetkin at all, but that's not how Dillian White operates. Dillian White is a throwback fighter, and uh, he'll be thrown back and he'll be thrown down on Saturday night, and I think it'll be a win for him. It'll, it's an interesting card. Ted Cheeseman is in against JJ Metcalf for the British title, but the one that everybody is talking about, the one that everybody's looking forward to, there'll be an awful lot of nostalgia around on Saturday night in the hurricane. Campbell Hatton makes his professional debut. And he walks for the very first time to a professional boxing ring. No doubt led by his dad, the one and only Ricky Hatton, and his uncle Matthew, who had a, a phenomenal career in his own right. Now, don't call me Nostradamus, don't call me Mystic Meg, don't call me any of that, but I, of course, had Ricky on here last year. 
which was probably one of the highlights of the box po- podcast for me to date, to get to speak with, interview and chat at length with Ricky about all the different aspects of his career and how he was guiding his fighters' careers up to then. Now, I did mention it to him, and I wasn't expecting it because I had said it to him off air about Campbell and he hummed and hawed and didn't give away much, but as the conversation flowed, I dropped it in. And here's a few clips from that interview with Ricky Hatton, and I'll put the link to the absolute to the whole lot in the notes below as well, but it was, as I said, easily one of the standout moments for me in this little podcast journey so far. If you can keep it real in and out of the ring, well, then you're never going to be a million miles away. And, and it's... And that's great. I mean, people, people like me boxing because I think they like me style. I was obviously very exciting, but I think they like me because I was, I was one of the boys. And that's the way I uh, was brought up by my parents. That's the way the friends that I'm surrounded by, you know what I mean? None of my friends would let me get above my station. If I ever got above my station, I'd get told by my mates. It's the same in the gym. We train hard. Nobody trained hard in the Phoenix camp more than us. And nobody trains harder. We've got to have a, a laugh and a joke. And if, uh, if there's a time if they need, uh, you know, a, a telling off or a clip around the air roll, then they'll get that as well. Your own son, Campbell. What a talent that kid has. He's come a long way. He lost in the quarterfinal of the, uh, the NYC, the what used to be known as the boys' clubs. And he, got, he lost to a very experienced lad. He's boxed for England many, many times and had about 50 fights, which is twice as many as Campbell. And it was real nick and tuck. You know, Campbell's only had about 23. 22 fights, so uh, and he's only been boxing a few years, so he's coming on very quickly mm. in a short space of time, you know. So uh, I mean, I'm happy with his progress and where he's where he's going. I think he, I think he might have it to be honest. He yeah. needs a little bit more time and a little bit more experience, you know, bearing in mind that he, he was a late starter. I'm a, okay, you're probably going to hate me for this, I'm a red, I've right, seen them. <laughs> One of my favourite players, let me add, was Georgie Kinkladze. I always wanted him to move across the city. Georgie was a, Georgie was a very, very good friend of mine. He, he comes over every now and again and we go out to the beer. Little That's wizard. He was the best player I ever saw live. I mean, uh, until the present team, at the time, he was a superstar in my eyes. But I think, no, I've been preparing for the big, the advice he gives for anyone preparing for a, a, the big nights or big crowds or big title fights. I think it's, you know, going to be a gradual thing. You've got to do it in stages and as you go through it. Well, I think, I think the main thing is, is just having, you know, confidence in yourself and self-belief, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if, you know, you, you know, you've got to reach for the stars in, in, in boxing, you know, maybe no point in going to boxing and say, well, I hope it's open. I hope I win some sort of belt. No, you've got to reach for the stars. If you reach for the stars, even if you fall short, you're going to get somewhere near, aren't you? And I think that if you're not in boxing and you don't have that attitude, you know, and you don't want to box in front of the big crowds, you know what I mean? Then you're in the wrong game. I think once you do get up there, I think it's just having belief. Just to put a little bit of context on that, it was just after Christmas last year. There was no talk of Campbell Hatton turning professional, no speculation, no nothing. I had suggested to Ricky that after Anthony Crawler's retirement, I felt the next fella who could and possibly would pack out the MEN arena in Manchester would be, of course, Campbell. And that's where that came from. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was kind of, it was nice to see. And it was made me smile a little bit because that was one of the, one of the most special interviews I've done to date. They're all special in their own way, but I think, I think you get what I mean when I talk about Ricky Hatton. Just to round this piece out. Mr. Hearn made some grandiose pre-announcements last week that it was going to be a huge announcement. The greatest card they've ever put together. And I knew when I heard that. I knew 
I had just had a feeling he was going to be polishing a turd. And for anybody not used to my accent, that doesn't mean uh, splitting a card in three or anything else. It's a turd, a dump, a big steaming dump. He started to pre-announce it and it was to go on. And what it transpires is the May the 1st card. No venue, I don't think, as yet. They're hoping to have it outdoor as they are with every card they announce. Not going to happen. It's going to be indoor. It's going to be in front of nobody. And that pay-per-view, Derek Chisora against Joseph Parker. Okay, that's bad enough. And then, boil the frog moment coming. Katie Taylor, Natasha Jonas. Now, I'm a Natasha fan. I'm, listen, Katie's our girl. All the time, every time. No doubts, if spots or ands. I, but what really is boiling my frog? Why is Natasha Jonas being forced up a weight for a payday when the rematch, the one that everybody wants to see, that was far more controversial than the Pursuing fight, is the Terry Harper fight? Are they that desperate to keep Tasha away from Terry? Why? Why make her move up away? Tasha's game is, is game as they come. She'll go up, she'll fight, she'll give it her all and ultimately it won't be enough. There'll be no disgrace, there'll be no harm, there'll be no nothing, she'll get paid. Just sickens me sometimes. It really does when you're a face, whether you're a Terry Harper or a Shannon Corney. Mm. And then, just to add all on top of that, Bivol against Spider Richards. I'm sure Bivol is absolutely quaking. And that is your May Day pay-per-view card. And uh, we'll get to that later on. But yeah, polish that one if you want. See what you come up with. But for now, we're moving on. Next Wednesday night, the 31st of March, at the Newcastle Exhibition Centre... Dennis Hogan will face Tim Zhu. Now, there's many ways you can look at this fight, and we're going to look at them inside out, outside in, downside up and upside down, and every other way possible. We're going to have a number of guests, all of who I will inform you of as we go along a little bit more, maybe in the next one, and the one after that. This fight, probably I knew about a month, maybe thereabouts, before it went public, before it became news. The J. Rock Williams fight was due to happen. Nobody really knows for certain why it did or why it didn't happen. Nobody knows. I can tell you of a little incident. I can let you in on this one. And I'm not sure if, if anybody else has heard of it or not. But I would have been speaking to Dennis and Wayne regularly. Um, on a, I won't say on a daily basis, but certainly every two or three days. And Wayne was based, had, had set up camp for Dennis prior to the J. Rock fight travelled across there was was prepared and in place I think about 10 weeks out from the fight in Vegas training hard and I mean hard training with the knowledge the expertise garnered from a lifetime of boxing under the best coaches in the world Olympic medalist of course himself and then world champion himself trained with Eddie Futch all that anyone that's not familiar that's the that's the shortened version so the camp was set up, trained away. Everything was going really, really, really well. And that's just down. That's that. That's downplaying a little bit. Moving really well. And one evening there was a call. He got a call to the gym, and uh, Wayne had got a call. Somebody was calling with the heads up to inform them that J Rock was on the way to the gym. Now 
what it, what it transpires is it's, it appears, it seems, that Williams and his camp didn't think Dennis was in the country. They didn't think he was... Well, nobody knows for sure what they did think, or that, but it, it appears they thought he was going to come in at the last minute or, or, or something to that effect. So he came. He subsequently came into the gym. Dennis was training, doing his warm down and finishing up. Came in with a big entourage, had a look around, had a good look around, and then left. And the owner of the gym and everything else look spoke with Wayne, apologised. He didn't realise it was all so secretive. He didn't. Nobody knew. Effectively, Dennis was there. Anyway, fast forward to a couple of weeks before the fight, a week or so before the fight, or whatever the case may be, and it's pulled because Mr. Williams has COVID. Now, there is another story going around. How true it is, I don't know. That he had switched to Sugar Hill and that the switch with sugar hadn't clicked, they hadn't gelled, weren't getting on too well, wasn't clicking or wasn't working out as quick or as well as they thought. And uh, so while COVID was a, 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 a suitable, convenient reason. Nobody will know for certain, but what we do know for certain is that Dennis then hightailed it back just about in time to be with his young family for Christmas. After Christmas, the options came up. There was contact from, again, I'm privy to quite a lot of the contact. I'm quite a privy to a lot of the a conversations with different promoters. I won't name them right now. I won't name them. But they were very, very interested. And then this fight came along. Dennis jumped at it. DDP jumped at it. But they weren't going to sell their soul either. They, they negotiated. They held on and they got what they deserve. And it started off very amicable. It is very amicable, I think, from what I can see and hear with the promoters and with the people behind the scenes. Now, perhaps they're the ones stirring up young Tim. I don't know. I don't really know. But it started off uh, very respectful. Just before we jump across to the clips, a previous episode, I went in hard on the host and the presenter of the press conference that day. You'll hear him here again in a few minutes. Ben Damon is his name. He's the, I guess you could say he's the Adam Smith of Fox Sports in Australia. Fox Sports in Australia are the Sky Sports equivalent. And I wasn't impressed, and I'm still not impressed, by the um, by the way it was done. But look, what I want to do is I want to make it very clear that yes, I did make some points. And I absolutely, if they came across as being personal, not in any way, shape or form. No way. No way. Now, they can be taken as personal. That's that's up to the person himself. But it was an observation that many people made. And not just about this fight. About previous fights too. It's it's not hard to see. Okay, but I want to do... I do genuinely want to say... Because I know Ben reached out, he got in touch. And he made his points known to me. Which is, with all due respect, brilliant. Because there's a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't. They would prefer to say it behind closed doors or whatever so I just want to say to Ben um, absolutely not nothing personal never wouldn't um, I appreciate the professional work that the Fox Sports do and everything else and this is not ass kissing either because as I said I don't need to but what I do want to point out that this episode and every other episode from the time I started until the very day that I stop is mine all mine nobody else has any sort of creative control nobody has any input influence anything else none and uh, that's that's not open that's not even open for interpretation that's fact so take that as you may believe of it what you will and trust me on it it's fact what i will do ben what i want to do now is 
in true Irish fighting man fashion. I'm going to give you a little challenge. I'm going to issue a little challenge. The challenge is, if my man wins the fight, which I believe he will, you come on here with me, we'll have a chat, we'll shoot the breeze, and give me a chance to learn and watch how a real pro works. And if my if your man wins the fight, or whatever you choose, the other man wins the fight, well then I'll do a challenge. I'll do whatever it is is, is required. Just in the in the interest of sport and fair play and everything else. So take it up. Um, take it what you will. We'll have a hashtag challenge Ben and see where that goes. And the Enswell listeners can have their say on it as well. But all joking aside and everything else, not absolutely not. It just, again, it's interpretation. It's what we make of it. It's what we see. I can only say what I saw. I'm a two-time world title challenger, still world-ranked at middleweight as well. And uh, one of the greatest boxers Ireland has produced in recent times. And now a man who calls Brisbane home, Dennis Hogan. Welcome to Newcastle, mate. Um, First and foremost, tell us the Dennis Hogan story because while you are very well known internationally in boxing circles, there might be some in Australia who don't know the full Dennis Hogan story. Oh, well, I mean, if you don't know the, the, the full story, then, you know, I, I uh, boxing purist, do you really know um, what's going down in the boxing world? But, um, no, first I, I just want to say um, um, uh, a big up to uh, No Limit Boxing for this great event. Um, big thank you to DDP for getting this fight made as well. And um, I've just spent the last day here in this uh, beautiful coastal town and uh, I can't wait to come back and put on a, the best performance of my life in the next in six weeks' time. We've only seen you lose in world title fights. Uh, where does this challenge rank against what you've been through previously? Well, I mean, for, for those uh, um, world title fights, you know, it's, um, you know, I've always been, you know, the B-side far away from home. So uh, I do consider Australia my home. And even though I'm the B-side, uh, I certainly um, believe I'll get a, a, a good crack of the, of the whip here. I, I don't have to travel all around the world, uh, diminish my energy levels, and um, I'll be in, in training camp with my whole crew in Brisbane right up till a few days beforehand. You would have watched the Tim Zoo journey uh, over the last couple of years. What have you made of his progress? Yeah, look, I, I, I spoke to Tim at a do uh, back a few years ago and I, I said hello to him and I said, well done so, uh, on your career so far because it's been, it's been good. You know, he's, he's beat everyone in front of him. It's been impressive. Um, you have made some comments though that he is overhyped. Is that your belief? Yeah, look, uh, the, the world overhyped has been thrown at me. Um, but uh, look, there is a hype train going on. And as, as, as I said many times, Tim has done very well and he's beat everyone put in front of him. There is, uh, there's a lot of hype though about him. Here, here he's got the opportunity now to prove if that, if that's correct. What about stylistically, Dennis? We've seen your boxing skills. Um, you've mentioned that you think Tim Zhu is a, a little one-dimensional in what he provides. Yeah, look, there's, uh, there's, you know, as a fight progresses, there's many, many ways to change things up. And, you know, what I see a lot of the time in, uh, in, 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 power punches because I think that you know Tim would fall under that category uh, is that you know they, they can a lot of the time uh, rely on their power and their and and then don't nurture um, all the other skills that need to be nurtured but at the same time like Len just said you know I'm a pro 10 years but I've been boxing from the age of five or six at the gyms you know nights uh, with my grandfather so that's 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 30 years ago that's 30 years of having those skills and nurturing them and, uh, and I think that you're going to see the difference on fight night. Dennis, we saw you go to Mexico and get robbed blind in a world title fight. Uh, any concerns being the B-side effectively here again uh, against a fighter who has been highly hyped? Do you have any worries about judging? Well, you know, again, I just have to have faith, don't I? What will it mean, a victory for you in a fight like this? 
Yeah, look, again, everything for me is uh, different milestones to hit all my goals. I don't have one goal of being world champion. I, I'm going to be unified world champion. So this is the next step, and um, we'll celebrate the next, you know, that, that night and the next day, and, and then I, I know that feeling will occur inside me again. Let's get on to the next one. So, Your prediction for how this ends on March the 31st? A big win for me. That's Dennis Hogan, very, very calm. So they back, went back and forth between both camps talked amongst each other, talked no, no no hostilities whatsoever. It was all, as I said, on day one, this press conference to make a to make an official launch and to announce it to the world, I guess. It must be nice to be back here and uh, representing the zoo name. Yeah, look, we've we've had history here um, and it's and it's only been positive. Um, you know, I was only a, a little young kid uh, back in the days when Dad was fighting here in Newcastle. So, you know, it's, it's good to be back here, uh, to be fighting on my own card. Uh, to be fighting in the in my biggest fight of my in my life, uh, and to be doing it in front of Newcastle. We've seen a particularly spiteful Tim Zoo in your last couple of fights um, against Jeff Horn and against Bowen Morgan. What should we expect this time? Look, it's it's nothing personal, but these boys are trying to take away everything that I've ever worked for, and they're trying to take away everything that I'm going for. So, look, um, I'm coming in for one one purpose. It's not just to win, but to 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 stop my opponent, to to get rid of him. Um, again, nothing personal. It's just that I want this more than anything. What do you make of the challenge that Dennis Hogan presents? Um, you would have seen his fights in recent years, most notably uh, in Mexico, uh, when he considers he was ripped off. Look, the history books don't say that. Um, a loss is a loss. Uh, you, you can't you can't go back. But look, he's a, he's going to be a tough competitor. Tough challenge, um, but this is the type of fights you want. If you want to, if you want to be the best, you you got to take out everyone that's on top of you, or anyone who's around you. Um, look, he's a he's a great competitor, um, as they say. He's he's world class, but I think he's just under that world class because he's never been able to to go to that top. But look, if I need to, I need to beat a Dennis Hogan to to be where I want to be. Dennis has um, done a lot of rounds with Jeff Horn and um, has a close affiliation with him. Do you see anything in Dennis Hogan that reminds you of what presented itself in front of you in Jeff Horn? Um, yeah, I see uh, another confident opponent who who's not underestimating me but doesn't know what they're running into. Um, and that's the best thing about boxing is that uh, once you get in the ring, everything... Everything from before, everything after, everything shuts away and it's just you and your opponent in that particular moment and you're able to suck the, again, the soul out of them and, and take away everything that they've ever believed and, and again, that's my goal to, to take their soul and their belief and everything that they've ever worked for and think they would have had in that particular moment. Um, again, it's not just a W, it's, it's taking everything away. You've been called overrated, overhyped, and also now one-dimensional. How do you respond to... Again, I can't wait for that opening bell because once, once that opening bell sounds, all that stuff gets away and it's uh, my time to prove what i got and it's just me and him. So that's just giving you a little brief flavour, a little brief intro. The next episode, I'm going to introduce the fighters, going to go through the records, going to have a look at some of the fights going to look at some of the just a little bit behind the curtain see what we can bring you the plan is each day between now and fight day one episode possibly two maybe more who knows just keep an eye out it'll be on the youtube channel mainly 
but it will also be here on the podcast as well. Don't forget to jump across there to Violent Gentleman on Facebook, my man Ross, the fastest growing brand in boxing. The one that all the fighters are drawn to is probably the most relative in my opinion to the sport of boxing itself. It's based in Belfast, they've got some phenomenal gear, they've got the Rinty range, they've got the Owen O'Neill, they've got the... You want to support your own fighters, you want to support your own brand, Violent Gentleman is the one to get to. And you won't have to go any further than the show notes right here underneath this episode. You'll find the link to their page and all the kit and caboodle that you could ever wish for. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and sharing. Leave a little comment if you can. Get across and leave a subscription and everything else. It'll be much, much appreciated. But most importantly, tip on over to the social media pages for Dennis. Let him know you're thinking about him. Give him your support. It will mean the absolute world. I can tell you the hordes of Irish fans down in Australia will be making their way to Newcastle probably now as we speak. And we'll be catching up with a few of those as well. But until then, in the meantime, stay safe. Stay sane. Smile. All's well that ends well.